Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. You know, Jesus taught by parables. You know, a sower went to sow is a parable, talking about a garden. Everybody knows, not everybody has a garden, but everybody knows what a garden is, right? Okay, so I'm going to bring you a parable today. And, you know, we're talking about starting a new series, and it's called Better Together. And today we're talking about relationships. And uh, I just want to show you an example of church and what, what church ought to be. There's all kinds of principles in the Bible. How many you know the world can use the principles in the Bible and not even be saved? I got all kinds of examples of that. But today we're going to talk about uh, baseball. Baseball? Yeah. So put my picture up there. There's the cathedral right there. That's the church. Look at all the people. By the way, you see all those people, thousands of people there. They, so I got an email of, of the revival that's going on in Brazil in a stadium like that, and they all sang about God, and it was, it was like the sound, the Bible calls it in Revelation, the sound of many waters. When people go to cheer, it's a sound of many waters. But how many you know there's people that are serving? You got greeters on the road. What seat? What's your seat? It's right down here. Uh, five, six down, take a left, and you got your seats. And there's somebody going, popcorn, popcorn, Cokes, if you've never been to a ball game. And there's people serving, and there's a team playing, and, and there's a crowd cheering, and there's people ready to go in, and, and, and there's somebody running the scoreboard. And notice we got somebody running our screen, our scoreboard up here. And people cheer. And so you got the team, and everybody's involved. But if you look past the stadium, you see the city? There are a multitude of thousands of more people, and some of them have never even been to a baseball game. we got people here that's never been to a baseball game. Doesn't mean they're less of a person. Let me go ahead and make this statement. Jesus would have went to a baseball game. Boy, I stir some religious people up. No, he wasn't. He went into bars. He sat with sinners. Wherever there was people, that's where Jesus was at. Jesus cares about people. Why? Because God cares about people. God made you, created you, sent his son to die for you. And then he, he invented something that was called church. Now, they had the synagogue and they had their ways, but God created a new way. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I want you to look at this baseball field. And, and I'm going to read some of the things about baseball. But if you translate them, they're about the kingdom of God as well. Okay, y'all looking at me like a cow to Newgate. Jesus did that. Number one, there's a saying in baseball, never give up. Never give up. Christian, never give up. No matter what you do, you never need to give up. Giving up means you don't care anymore. Some marriage counselor said, if they're still fighting, there's hope because they care or they wouldn't be fighting. It's true. It's true is when they go, forget this. It's, it's an old country song. She ain't crying anymore. She don't care. You done messed up, Jack. Okay. We're not doing marriage counseling. I go, all right, I'll move on. But in Christ, we have the victory. We win. 
I've coached many a team, and it doesn't matter if they're behind 10, 20, 30. I'm still cheering. Come on, come on, come on. Because why? Because they're building character. They're learning experience. Even in loss. Number two, it's okay to strike out. I know this is not in your notes. This is just, this is free, okay? It's okay to strike out. Men, to be a batter is awesome. If you, all you got to do is get on three times out of ten. And you'll be in the Hall of Fame. Hey. And we go, uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to mess up and it'd be embarrassing. If you don't step out, you're never going to get anything accomplished for the kingdom of God. So striking out does not mean the end of the world. It's okay to fail sometimes, but learn from your failures. Failures build character, even in the kingdom of God. Number three, do your absolute best. Don't go halfway. Let's go all in. Anything that isn't your best is unacceptable. Choosing to do anything subpar ends with subpar results. If you want the best, never give up. Going back to number one. If you want the best, you keep, you keep practicing, you keep pushing. Number four, teamwork is the best work. Look at somebody and say, yep. Working with a team is the best way to accomplish a goal. How many, I've said this before, many hands make a light load. If you're going to pick me up and carry me, I don't care if you're the strongest person in the room, it's awkward, especially if I go dead weight. But if two people makes it easier, four people makes it easier, six people makes it easier to carry, to carry a load, and look around, we can do great things. Look around. We can do great things because we're going to do it as a team. Church is supposed to be a team, not Pastor Brett. No, this is our church. Jesus is the head, and we're going to follow Jesus. Amen? So number five, keep your eye on the ball. Look, remember last, our, our scripture last Sunday was looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Come on, looking unto Jesus. Keep your eye on the ball. Always keep your eye on Jesus. Jesus will help you through what you consider to make it, to consider to be a make it or break it situation. So practice Jesus always. Huh? Aim for the fences. Always keep your eye on Jesus. Look, set faith goals and try to reach them. What are you believing for? Well, I'm not believing for anything, Pastor Brett. Well, you need to be. You need to exercise faith in everything. How about, how about starting with something that's not life or death? So you can practice faith and practice your faith, and then you develop your faith. Because the Bible says each man is given faith, but you need to develop it. A church is where you develop it. Life groups is where you develop it. Talking about Jesus is where you develop it. Believing God for miracles. You know how you know it's easier to believe for a miracle when you don't need one. But when you've, you've learned how to, to touch God and receive a miracle, this makes it easier for you to get one. Develop your faith. Believe God for socks. Start with something. How about something crazy like a spotted tie? Paul Cho, pastor in, in South Korea, believed God for a bicycle. An American-made bicycle, a blue American 10-speed bicycle, and he got it because he needed it for the kingdom to travel because he had to walk everywhere. 
Where are we at? Aim for the fences. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want to please God, don't we? So aim high. Aim big. Stretch, stretch. Eight, cheaters never win. If you're going to do something, do it right. Success is not achieved through shortcuts. I have a saying that, that my pastor taught me years ago. Do it right because it's right, and then do it right. Hmm? Okay, if it's the right thing for me to give this out, then I need to do it right. I need to, because it's right, I need to do it right. Here, that ain't doing it right. I gave it out, but it's not doing it right. Just throwing it at somebody, right? If that was a plate of food, well, yeah, mm, that'd have been a mess. So my point is, if, if you feel that God's calling you to do something, do it to the best of your ability. Do it right, because God, you find it in the Word, and then do it right. Just don't do it half-heartedly. Some of these repeat themselves. Sacri number nine, sacrifice is necessary in the most crucial moments. Well, I don't want to talk about sacrificing, Pastor Brett. In baseball, during the last moments of a game, a player can be told to sacrifice bunt or sacrifice fly to get a run in by getting out themselves. Sometimes in life, you have to sacrifice your needs and wants for the betters of others. I'm going to put mine on hold because I want to help them. I got stuff on hold because I, I, I want to do kingdom work. What, what I got on hold is kingdom, but it's more important. Just saying, just, just be mindful of things. You can't do everything by yourself. Although you may want to, uh, to do everything by yourself, you need the help of others. They can help you reach a goal that you've been desperate to, to reach. And you know what that's called? It's biblical. Humble yourself. Ask. Ask for prayer. If you're not praying for anybody, start praying for me. I'm going to be a little bit, I want it. I need it. I need prayer. And the person sitting beside you, whether it's your wife, your husband, or somebody you don't even know, they need prayer too. We have to pray. In baseball, your brain is the most important muscle. In the kingdom of God, it's your spirit. You need to be developing your spirit to hear the voice of God. You do that with the word and you do that with prayer. Uh, most people think baseball is a sport of muscle. And it is, but the brain helps you more than anything. Brains and muscles are important, but God is our source of help to solve everything in life. Ask God, and the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. I'm just giving these are free. All right, we can get a copy of these if you want them. And if you love it, if it's what you love, never stop loving it. And they attribute that to baseball. You ever met somebody that was a baseball fan, baseball fanatic? Yeah. But just like baseball is a sport you love, we should love God and never stop. He should be number one. You can on purpose fall in love with God and expect again the Holy Spirit to empower you to fall in love with God. Amen? So we're talking about better together. Those are just some highlights that the Spirit of God just quickened me about. So if you look at your notes, let's break some of these down. Let's read some our foundational scriptures right quick. Did you know that Jesus had a habit to go into church? How many of you know there are Christians that don't go to church because they've been hurt for this, that, and the other? But in Luke 4, 16, I want to read this. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom, 
and as his custom and as his habit and the way Jesus lived, he went to church. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up for to read. Now, let's just, let's just do some church history right quick. The Sabbath is Saturday, okay? Day of rest. They met on Saturday at the temple. How many of you know we, today Sunday, and we meet on Sunday? Church history said they met on Sunday. You'll find where they went to the Sabbath still, believers did, but they met on Sunday because that's the day Jesus was resurrected. Isn't that good? And so we meet on Resurrection Sunday. And so we, they met too, and we'll, we'll break it some, some more down. So in Hebrews 10.25 and the Passion Translation, it said, this is uh, not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. Everybody say, we need each other. We need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other, other onward as, the anticipate, as we anticipate the day of Jesus' coming. He's coming. The day's dawning. And so we need to meet more. And so, 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 so Miss Shirley gave a word to expect the supernatural to become natural. Man, we're not there. I don't know any churches there, but it's a goal. I got high goals. I want to see this place full. We got to add more chairs. We need more parking already. That's coming too. But, but you look at what God's doing, the momentum that he has on our church, and, and it's because of the Spirit of God and because of the people of God. It's not always about me. It's about you and you submitting to the presence of God. How about, how about, how about worship? Why do people love to worship? It's because the presence of God inhabits worship. And it's not the crying and the slobbering and the laughing that, that's about. It's the Spirit of God coming on you and you cry and slobber and smile or jo have great joy. It's the Spirit of God that draws people. It's the Spirit of God is what brought you here. I'd love to say it's awesome, powerful preaching, but no, it's, it's God brought you here. And guess what kept you here is the people hugging you and loving on you. It's the culture. It's, it's in the heart of the people. Yeah. Did you know that people decide whether they're going to come back to a church? The first time visitors come to a church in seven minutes. They don't get to hear Cody sing. They don't get to hear me preach. Seven minutes. That's why greeting is so important. That's why ushering is so important. That's why the, the atmosphere of the love of God ought to be all over us at 9 o'clock, at 8.30. You need to be preparing for the presence of God because the presence of God in you will minister to the person sitting on the row with you. Okay? That's, what, you know, that's why we're better together. Because I'm just going to tell it. Anybody can get a group of 30 people and pastor them just on personality alone. But it takes all of us to grow a church, to reach a community. How about to reach every hill and holler in southwest Virginia? Huh? That you drive down through those hills and hollers and you're declaring the presence of God over this, in this valley, the presence of God on this mountaintop, the presence of God here. That's how revival comes. Not just Lord bless me and mine and, you know. No, no, no. God's called you. You're his representative. Wherever you go, he goes with you. And you are representing God. Watch your mouth. Watch your frown. Watch your attitude. You represent Jesus. Amen. 
So where are we at? Hebrews 10.25. And so before we read Acts 2.42, let me set it up right quick. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out in the first, in Acts 2 and 4. And they were, I'm going to say they were hiding in the upper room. They were seeking God. How many of you know that there was 500 people saw Jesus go up into the clouds? And only 120 stuck it out to 10 days. 10 days? They couldn't, couldn't handle 10 days. And then the Holy Spirit was poured out, and then they go out into the street, and then Peter, Peter preaches. And if you read it, there's 3,000 people got saved. Church began. And so we're going we're gonna to look at these scriptures and break them down and, and, and are talking about relationship today, better together. We're talking about our relationship with one another, our relationship with God, our relationship with God the Father, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say some things, too, that might be a little hard, but you know what? I love you. Jesus loves you. It's not going to be that hard. So let's read, let's read Acts 2 and 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47. It says, and they continued steadfastly. So they got saved, and then they started meeting with the apostles, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Isn't that good? So they, they hung out together. And they, they heard the word. Because see, the, the apostles' doctrine is what Jesus taught them. Okay? Then, and then, and fear came on every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You know, when, when I pray for people or something happens and, or somebody gives a message in tongues and, oh, Lord, you know, your mind starts, you know, what is that? And it's just the Spirit of God. Yeah, there's, there's some respect and some awe about that. And you're supposed to respect and awe it and be in awe when God starts, man, when the presence of God sits on us. Because God wants to, God speaks to every unbeliever. How many of you know that? And he speaks to every believer. Believers ought to be expecting God to lead them. But he'll speak to unbelievers. Because God loves them. God loves us. And so, and so now all who believe were together and had all things in common. Say all things in common. Verse 45, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone who had need. Isn't that interesting? 46, so they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So hold it right there. Remember, that, so they went to the temple and they're breaking bread. Now, now there's two different, tra- we read they broke bread. That's the Lord's Supper. You can take communion every day. And they took communion from house to house. When they met, we said, we're going to do communion. But they also had supper. How many of y'all like to eat? I know it's been, been six weeks since I had anything to eat, but, you know, I'm starting to, no. You, everybody likes to eat, whether it be pancakes or fried chicken or both together at the same time. Everybody likes to eat. Somebody, amen over here. <laughs> but everybody likes to eat. And so they fellowshiped around food. How many of you know we still fellowship around food? You know, you go to Thanksgiving, and it's a challenge who can eat the most in my family. Man, but it's because it's all good. My brother gets everything. I mean, everything on the plate's piled high, and he eats it and cleans it up, and he goes, I really like this, this, and then he goes back and gets what he really likes. He's a professional eater. No. So... <laughs> Where are we at? So continuing daily one accord in the temple, breaking bread house to house. They ate their food 
and with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, and praising God, praising God and having favor with all people. Wait a minute. When we start doing this and we start getting on fire, guess what? I don't want people to think I go to church. I don't want what people think. You're going to have favor with them. And those, uh, and, the, and the Lord added daily to the church, those should be saved. Amen? So let's go to number one. Number one is relationship with the Word. Word's got to be number one. Word, the Word. You know, for those of you who are married, when you were dating, it was her words or his words that ignited that passion in your heart. Now, he may look good. It could have helped. It, you know, it does help if they look good. But some of you ladies, you you suffering through before the Lord because, you know, because he don't look that good. No. I don't know where that comes from. I got to quit. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And so, <laughs> and so, you know what? It's good, but it's the words is how you know them. How you know them. My first date with my wife, I should have ran. She ate half my food. I went to wash my hands, come back. She's eating. <laughs> but I know what she likes. I learned what she likes. And we was out to eat last night with somebody, and she's digging all in my food. And I'm like, what are you doing? You got food coming for yourself. As, you know, it could have been a deal breaker for some people, because I've seen people sit like this with their food. <laughs> I got to get back. What am I? I'm lost here. In Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We need to, because listen, it's, it's, it's the Word of God, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, first and second, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. I can't forget Romans. Romans is a great book. All these are the apostles' doctrine, Paul, Paul taught. And you learn who God is and what would God say and how did Jesus act. That's what we should be. And so that's how we learn who we are in Christ. And if all you do is listen to me every Sunday, you, you're going to be entertained, as you can tell. But you need to know the word for yourself. You need to know who you are. You know, I always bring a kid up every now and then. What's your name? And I try to change their name. And they go, no. Because you can't, because they know who they are. Do you know who you are in Christ? The Word tells you that. The Word. So they were diligent and constant in, in their attendance upon preaching the Word. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, never disowned nor deserted it. As it may uh, as it may be read, they continued constant in the apostles' teaching and instruction, and they were willing to be taught. Are you willing to be taught, or are you just here? We need to be willing to be taught. I'm willing to be taught. I go places to get taught. And how many of you know I've been doing this a long time, but my doctrine has changed over the years because I've been taught a little bit more, and I'm like, boy, I have missed that. Oh, my goodness. And I've repented to y'all before. Because I have, I've taught it wrong. I've missed it. But you know what? We, God's merciful. And the Holy Spirit will still rest upon you even if your doctrine's messed up. He's still trying to bring you in and, and, and work through you. Because you have gifts, talents, and abilities that he wants to use. Gifts, talents, and abilities have nothing to do with maturity. Let's go back to baseball. My daughter was a senior playing second base captain on the team, and she had a third baseman and a, a shortstop that were freshmen. And you talking about phenomenal athletes. They had all the talent in the world. But they were like, they would lose it. 
And she goes, all right, all right, pay attention now, pay attention now. We're going to first with it. Because they, they'd catch it and like, what, what, where, where, where are we at? But then they would make some kind of play. They would scoop it up with the hand on the run and throw somebody out and look like Derek Jeter. Phenomenal athletes, but not mature. We got to mature and use our gifts. Amen? So, so number two, we're just going to look at it. I'm going to put it up there. Number two, relationship with one another. I'm going to give you all a chance to write that down. I got another picture. Not about baseball. Are y'all ready? All right, everybody got one another? Relationship with one another. Put my picture up there. Look at all those, those guineas and chickens, and there's a rattlesnake right in the middle of it. Y'all see that? In Acts 2.44, it said they had all things in common. You expect all those chickens got all things in common right now and those guineas? Huh? Look at that red one on the right there. You see that red one? That's Sister Bertha better than you. She judges everybody in the church. But notice where her focus is at right now. One thing we all have in common is the devil. And you best get your focus. Because if you turn your back, he's going to bite you. But you look at all of them. Every, I, saw, I thought the ones on top were had their back face to him, but I zoomed in on it, and every one of them are looking at that rascal. He doesn't stand a chance. If we can get in unity, if we as a church can get in unity, the devil don't stand a chance. We got to be focused. We, it ain't about you and me. and oh, well, I, I, I don't like the people over there. I like the people over here. But nah, that's the devil. He comes to divide. He comes to conquer. And you hear about Jack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fiery darts of the wicked. They're lies. And so we've got to focus that everything we have in common is the devil. And we got to know that we got to kick him in the teeth. Break his fangs out and send him on his way. Y'all, I, I, I hunted with some old men and they would catch hogs. With tushes, I'm talking like that. And they had catch dogs, and they would catch that hog, and they would do some things to him, and then they would shoot his tushes off. And then they would hunt him back about two years later, and he is prime ready to eat. Listen to me. The devil, we need to break his tushes off because you don't need to be afraid of him. And if you, if you have trouble with him, then that's why we got Tim here. We got Miss Becky here. They're going to pray with you. And you know what? Look around. You need a prayer partner. And you need to be asking God for a prayer partner. I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's, let's, look, at, let's look at our relationship with one another. We're better together. That rascal cannot. They're all got to focus on him. And if one of them bit him on the tail, he's gone. He's going, they got to get out of the way. The only reason you get out of the way is let the devil out. Amen? And you kick him out of your house. So underneath the relationship with one another... And we just read all those scriptures. A is fellowship. They not only had mutual affection to each other, but a great deal of mutual conversation each day with each other. And they were much better together. They did not become hermits. We're in the world, but not of the world. 
We're in the world, but we don't act like the world. We're in the world to represent Jesus and to bring the world to God. Satan is the God of this world. The Holy Spirit's the God of the earth. What's the difference, Pastor? The world is the world system. The world is a yeah-yeah out there. The world is politics. The world is the banking system. The world, that's the world system. The world system says, feels good, do it. Do all you can, can it all, and bear it in the backyard. But that's not God's way. We got to represent, right? So in Acts 2.46, they were all in one accord, day by day, continuing in one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together. So, so fellowship is a big key. Fellowship. You need fellowship. I could have put up the wolves. You ever seen how wolves work? They separate, or lions. They'll separate somebody that's weak in the moment, and they'll attack them. And you know what? When you feel weak, you separate yourself. And it ought not be so. You need to draw in. You need to draw in. Well, I'm embarrassed. I don't want people to know. Well, guess what? They're de- they've dealt with it before too. There is nothing new under the sun. Whatever you're going through, everybody else has gone through it. They just, they just don't act like it or they, they don't give off that appearance. I had somebody because, you know, when I finally could, could, could afford some nice clothes, I, there was a lady started coming to our church in Louisiana. She says, uh, you don't know what it's like to be poor. I said, what? You're looking at the new me. You know, I've slept in the house where I had six blankets on me, and you can't turn over because it's freezing, and you got to have something to keep you warm. You know, I, I, y'all know my macaroni and cheese story. I don't eat that 29 cents or 19 cents a box of macaroni and cheese. I got tired of it. It's got to be homemade and real good for me to eat it now. I've been delivered from that. But, you know, we, we know, we've all tasted of that. Paul said, I've been, I've been, where I've been in poverty and I've been abounding. Amen? So, so, so fellowship. God, and God wants to help break some things off of you, and fellowship will do that. Man, just sitting and listening to people talk about God. E- even in the life groups that we're doing now, we go back over the sermon, and I sit and listen, and I'm like, because, you know, I've got so much to say, and I'll, do I have time to say it? No, and, and, I'm, and I'm trying to hear the Holy Spirit. And, but people, the Holy Spirit's your teacher. And people bring up stuff that I didn't say, I meant to say, or stuff I didn't even think about, and they, the Holy Spirit showed, oh, God spoke to me about this. God spoke to me about that. That's awesome. So B, breaking of bread. They frequently joined in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. They continued in breaking of bread and celebrating the memorial of, the, of Jesus' death as those that were not ashamed to own their relationship, uh, their dependence upon and of Christ and him crucified, they could not forget the death of Jesus, yet they kept up the memorial of it. They made it a constant practice. Every time you say, thank you, Jesus, you're reminded of what he's done for you. So, so you know, we've, we've got to remember what Jesus has done. We you know, I've told, taught you many times, it's a covenant word to remember, 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 remember. Even the, 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 the boy on the cross beside Jesus said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember. Remember where the Lord has taken you from, but also remember where he's taken you to. Remind yourself. We live in the now, the past, 
Let me just go ahead and say this. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, long-suffering. You know them. But how many of you eating rotten fruit from your past? You see, the fruits of the Spirit in my life are to bless you. Your fruits in your life bless me. The tree don't eat its own fruit. But I can partake of your fruit just like you can partake of mine. But sometimes somebody called you stupid or somebody said that you'll never succeed, and that's rotten fruit. And you're still eating that. Quit eating that rotten fruit. Remind yourself who you are. I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. I don't care if you've never done it. You've never overcame it anything. God will make you an overcomer. You've got to start changing your attitude about it. I'm an overcomer because of Christ on the inside of me. God's on the inside of me. Wow. And notice they were cheerful and generous in what they had, breaking of bread from house to house. They had common meals, and they ate their meat with gladness, one translation said, and singleness of heart. It's all about God. Singleness of heart. C is prayer. You know, I, I said in the, at the beginning, you need to do the work of an evangelist. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was a pastor, but he said, you got to do the work of the evangelist. So I'm telling you, do the work of the evangelist. We all have to do the work of that. We have to let our light so shine. And, and so some people are called to do evangelism. They love going door to door. Or they love talking to somebody on the street. Some not. Everybody's called to pray. Everybody's called to have a relationship with God and to pray over the city and to pray over their house, pray over your neighbor's house, or pray over the neighbor's house over here and the neighbor's house over there. Pray over these people that, that you have fellowship with. We're all called to pray. All of us. So they continued in prayer. After the Spirit was poured out and as well as before, they were waiting on Him. They continued in instant in prayer. Prayer for, uh, that, that, for prayer will never supersede. Prayer always comes first. Number one, it's fellowship. <laughs> you get, don't wait till you get in a bind. Oh, Lord. Talk to him daily. Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, help me today. Holy Spirit, Jesus, I need your strength today. I'm tired. I don't want to get out of bed, but I, I've got to go. Mm -hmm. Talk, talk, talk. Fellowship, fellowship. You know, most of if you grew up in church, I did. It's, oh, Lord, if thou knowest that I needeth help today. God don't understand, you know, God understands your country slang. God understands your King's English. You don't have to pray like the King's English. You pray however what's in your heart. Lord, I need help. Show me your word that, that give me a promise to stand on today. So you, that means you got to dig one out. That going back to do, do, that, there was a guy that, that, um, was a professional baseball player in the city we lived in and worked in, and he was very, very good batter. He was very, his, his fielding was, eh, but he loved to hit. And as a freshman at LSU, they won the World College World Series on his home run. And he went to the pros and this and that and the other, and, and didn't make, but he made it to the Boston Red Sox. And, oh, boy, they almost won the World Series. They did win it next year. But when they released him, half the people, the fans, 
was upset because this boy could hit. But the secret to his ability, he had supernatural, just awesome ability. But he practiced. He practiced. Everybody go home. He's still practicing. He's practicing some more. Did you know Michael Jordan was a great basketball player, made it to the pros, but he practiced even harder when he was in the pros. We never quit praying. We never quit seeking God. We never quit fellowshipping with one another, sharpening and, and encouraging one another. The Bible says to encourage one another. Bump somebody. Give them a high five and encourage them. They're looking a little sleepy. D, and we've talked about this. It's just been the heart of God. Thankful. Are you thankful? Come on. It don't matter if you feel thankful or not. You need to suck it up and get thankful. Hey, you're, on, you're in the family. That ought to put a smile on your face. Yeah, but I ain't nothing there. No, no, you're not a yore no more. You're not griping and complaining. You are in the family of God. You are a child of God. You are bought by the blood of Jesus. Elbow your husband, say, so are you. I know. Look, you know, we got to get, we've got to get, get it right that we are, be thankful. Hey, I'm, you thankful you're breathing? You thankful you're not in prison? I'm thankful I'm not in the hospital. Come on, I can give you something to be thankful about. Let me just keep going. Yeah, you need to be thankful you're going to get to eat lunch today because you could be, you know, yeah, he's hungry. That, again, keeping your focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So Thanksgiving, continual praising God. This should be part of your prayer life. So fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer, thankful. All these are acts of love. For God so loved the world and you are too, too. We ought to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. I was listening to one pastor, and he said, man, that was the hardest thing for me to understand. I was a drug addict. I, I, I cheated on my wife, and I, I just this. How could God love me? How could God love me? And one preacher finally said, hey, because God is love. It ain't about you. It's about him. He loves you because he is love. Hey. God loves you. It's who he is. And all these things, God, God will, will draw you to people. And it's the love of God that keeps you there. And come on, and, and, and if, if you're focused, well, ain't nobody talk to me today, then go talk to somebody. Make yourself known. Nothing wrong with that. Smile. So, the Lord reminded me, it's not what I've done, it's what we've done. And so you're sitting in the service today and you say, well, I don't even have a uniform. I don't usher. I don't, I'm not playing third. I'm, I'm not. But look at the crowd. Look at the crowd. Do you know what they call the crowd at the football game? The 12th man. You know what they call them at a basketball game? The sixth man. Do you know the home field advantage is something that's real? Huh? You say, well, I don't do it. You're a part. You need to be in agreement with everything we do. You need to be cheering us on. You need to be cheering people on and be excited. That's my church. That's our church people. That's, what, that's, what, that's where I go. 
Huh? To, be, to see there's something to a corporate anointing. There's something to that, the cheering and the come on, come on. You got it. You got it. There is that. There is a prayer of agreement. That's what the sixth man in basketball, tenth man in baseball, the twelfth man in football. You are important. Whether you got a uniform on or not, whether you're greeting or not, if you just come and sit in the service, if you can get in agreement with what's being said and praying for people who need help, Boom. And maybe you're not called to go. Maybe you're called to give. Yeah. So let's go to the next one. Why? So I brought that up. Number three, relationship to possession. How many of you know possessions can become your God? And look at the first church. Look at the church. And let's read. Let's read. uh, And they sold their possessions and goods. And some sold their lands and houses. Others, their stocks and their furniture in of their houses and they parted, parted the money uh, to the brethren and every as every man had need now hold on now are you saying pastor I gotta sell my hat are you saying no 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 in the first church man they kicked the church off you know they started get, getting goods this was just to destroy not their property but their selfishness They probably also remembered the command which Christ gave the rich man to test of his sincerity. Sell all you have and give to the poor. What it means is what are you trusting? See, the Old Testament, if you were wealthy, boom, you must be living right. Remember Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to go through the eye of, uh, the, uh, eye of a needle? The eye of a needle was a door about then a camel. It was about like this. Can't get a camel down through that eye of the needle. Well, you can say an eye of your thread of the needle. That's the way we think. But it's about not letting things have you. So let me ask you some hard questions. How much money would it take for you to quit serving God? Well, I would never quit serving God, Pastor. I've seen it. I get in agreement, believe God with somebody to get a better job. And I hadn't seen them two weeks after they got that job. I hadn't seen them since. I'm talking, oh, church, I'm talking here. They get the job of their life. Need God anymore. I got a good job. Oh, oh we need, I need a job, Pastor. If I had that job, I'd, I'd just love God and serve. Eh, serving the job now. How much money would it take? Five million? I'm going to the beach. Get me a beach house and I'm going to live on and forget God? Let me preach this way just for a minute. What if you're believing for a spouse and you start dating that spouse and that spouse said, you know what? I love you and I want to marry you, but I ain't going to church. Well, that's all right. I won't go to church either because I need you more than I need God. I've seen it. Because even your spouse can be a possession. I know this is hard questions, but you got to keep your heart right. It doesn't matter if you win the lottery. It doesn't matter what happens in life. It doesn't matter if you lose a spouse. You still got to love God. God's number one. I I know we don't want that, 
But, but when we talk about what they did, it was extraordinary because they were under no obligation to do that, to sell what they had. They just did it. Fear of God stirred them. Woo, I want to do something for God. I'm buying everybody supper. That's what one said, you know. Let me sell my cattle. I want to feed everybody this week. And you think, well, man, they lost, they, they, they sold. No, God rewards, God pays back. You know, somebody, I know somebody personally in the church that helped somebody, they paid their bills, taught them how to pay their bills, got them caught up, and it wasn't no two months and the person's back, and they go, I can't do it again. I said, yes, you can. Well, I don't have any more money. I said, God will restore that money so you can do it again. And he go, well, I'm not asking God. I, I don't want to ask God for money. I said, no, you're not asking him for money. He said, you give, and he would be given back to you. Because <laughs> your heart was to bless somebody, and they didn't. They kicked it to the curb, but that's all right. You gave it to God, not to them. Well, I'll give you $100. What you going to do with it? God didn't tell you to ask them that. If he said give, don't be questioning it. Learn to trust him. You're giving it to him, not them. Him, capital H-I-M. And so we give to him. And everything we do is under him. Amen? Real quick, number four. Relationship to the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you I've already said that. If we don't have the Holy Spirit working in our church, then we're the moose lodge. Then we're the Aquinas Club or whatever they are, you know. We're just a club. But we have the Spirit of God. And as, as we start believing God more, increase, we, we're going to see miracles. Unexplainable things. They, they had unexplainable miracles. Uh, all kinds of wonders and signs were done by the apostles, which confirmed their doctrine and, and, and proved it was from God. And people take that and say, well, only apostles did those things, and they're dead, so those things don't happen anymore. Ah. Ananias was not an apostle, and he prayed for Paul. Paul became an apostle out of due season. Philip had four daughters who prophesied. That's what the Bible says in Acts. St. Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Valentine's prayed for a girl. Was she deaf or blind? She was blind. And he signed a letter to her before they executed him. She, he wrote that girl a letter, signed your Valentine. He prayed for her that was blind. God's still doing miracles. But if we don't acknowledge it and we don't accept it and we don't believe for it, we're not getting them. Well, God, God just do what he needs to do. Won't just God do it? No, God wants a people to work through. Didn't say a pastor, a people. He wants a people to work through. He'll work through you. I mean, he, he used a donkey one time to talk to somebody. You qualify. I qualify. As a, uh, you know, God can use anybody if, if they set themselves to know the voice of God. I don't care how far they've been away from him. Because you know what? God wants to stir in you. See, this, this is a personal thing. This is not about church. This is about us knowing God personally in a deeper way. That's, why, that's what we're rallying today. We're better together. So, so, so relationship. Signs and wonders follow the word preached in Acts 2 and 43. In Acts 16 and 20, it says, And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them, confirming 
the word was signs following. Signs follow the word preached. Okay. Remember they lowered the guy down to Jesus. The room was full. They couldn't get him in. So they climbed up on the roof, pulled the roof open, and dropped the guy, the paralytic man, down in. And Jesus said, son, your sins be forgiven. And the religious crowd went, ah, who do you think you are forgiving sins? Only God can do that. Yeah, you like my religious voice. Only God can do that. Let me do a little bit better. <gasps> and Jesus said, okay. To prove that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, take up your bed and walk. What's well, easier? And the man took up his bed and walked. So that proves that he forgives sins. He was trying to pr prove that he was forgiving sins. Today, we have to prove that he's a healer too. Because we don't need any of that Holy Ghost stuff because that's weird. Did anybody get hurt? We'll pray for you. I got a Band-Aid somewhere. You didn't get hurt? Now, if it was abusive, I would have said, Hope, that's not God. That's my part. My part's to be the police. Ah, that's not God. That was mean. But God is good. The gospel's good news, and the Spirit of God is good news. Man, He's good. And He only does good. And people get off because they, get any, they, they lose the Spirit and get in emotion. We're not going to do that, are we? Shake your head, nope. Number five, relationship to the world. And we kind of talked a little bit about this. Our relationship to the world, we're in it but not of it. Amen? You can have fellowship with the world, but you don't let the world pull you to them. You're to pull them to you. Jesus went into the bar, but the bar didn't come into him. Huh? Jesus went to the sick, but sickness didn't come into him. Just saying. He went to the Pharisees, but the Pharisees didn't come into him. He went where people went because he was after people, and he said, this is the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. He preached the kingdom of God. Repent and hear the kingdom of God. But notice that, um, that they were in awe of the Christians. In Acts 2.43, every, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. There was a sense of awe, a fear, or a respect for the Christians, and they favored them. The favor of God came on them. How many of you pursuing the favor of God? Wave at me. I know some of you are doing it just because everybody else is. But you need to pursue the favor of God. You need to thank God for His favor. His favor. You ever met some people the favor of God just on? You know, they get free food, they get this, they get that. I'm not jealous. That's exciting because you know what God does for them, He'll do for me. Why did God give them that? That's the wrong attitude. I was laughing at somebody's talking about one of their kids. They come in, well, I got free french fries today. I didn't even order them. They said, hey, these are, they didn't want them. You want these french fries? They always come to me. They give him free food. They give him this and that. That's favor. Can't explain favor sometimes. But you need to expect it. Y'all sitting there like, what? And God favored them. So let's, let, me, let me close with this. 
I got some stuff that I typed up, and I just want to just 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 think. So, each one of you have a measure of faith. You also have a measure of favor. Okay, say I have a measure of favor. How about a measure of giftings and a measure of grace? You have a measure of grace and a measure of giftings. I don't know what my gift is, Pastor. That's all right. Then ask God. Start somewhere pursuing. Often people with extraordinary talents. Look at him. He has extraordinary talents, doesn't he? Often people with extraordinary talents never have to develop their gift and find out. They never develop their gift to their potential and find out what they're really called to do. Remember I said Michael Jordan, when he made it to the pros, he began to practice more. I'm picking on Cody because these are gifts that you see. But how about the gift to greet? How about the gift to love? How about the gift to be a support? How about a gift to hug? How about having anointing to hug somebody? How about having some grace to do business? That the grace of God will be on you to start a business. Because anybody that starts a business, God's on them. Oh, they work in the principles of God's Word. But how about some grace? How about some gifting? How about, what, what do you mean by gifting? Do you use what you've been given for His glory? See, we're better together. Don't take offense, but I'm just using you as an example, Miss Cherry. Remember when I first said better together about a month and a half ago, and I, I was really stirred up because my mama had took her car to get it repaired and they was charging her an exorbitant amount and I'm like, they was charging $200 to push it out the street. And I said, mama, don't pay that. I said, if I was there and pushed your car out of the street, would you give me $200? She goes, no. I said, I'm your baby boy and you're not going to give me $200? Why are you giving them $200? They're taking advantage of you. And not that, that, you know, that's just some people's policy. You pull your car up, they're going to charge you 100 bucks just to check it out. That's all right. But there are people in our church that can help fix your car. Change a fuse. I put a headlight in Jenny's car. Where's Jenny at? There she is. I passed her going to church. She was coming to church on Monday night, and she had a headlight out. I said, well, I need to fix that. She's going to get a ticket. Because that man right there, a rider up in the heartbeat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's her uncle. <laughs> but I changed her. I ch that, that headlight was glued in. But I changed her headlight. You know what? Didn't you, come on. Let us help you. You got a decision? Let us pray with you. Man, I'm praying over people's decision. Hey, Pastor, pray for me. You don't think? I'll pray for that. I, I, can't, I can't fix everything. I, I'm a fixer. But I'm, I can't fix everything, but let us help you if you have a need because we have car people in here. We've got house people that, we have people that can repair your house, fix a commode. Yeah, there's a brother right there that said, me. My wife said, why don't you call a plumber and fix the commode at the church? I said, well, it'd take him three days to get here and I can have it done in two hours. And that's counting going to Lowe's and back. Just aggravating is what it is. But, God wants us to help one another, to pray for one another, to lift one another up, to be a part. Then there are people in here with business wisdom. 
We have life groups. We're doing financial freedom. You need help with your finance. You need to join that life group. Starting next Thursday, matter of fact. Commercial break again. Let me finish. So use what you've been given for his glory. The Father is drawn. See, if somebody helps you, let them help you because they're going to be blessed. Because the Father is drawn to his children that will do things that please him. If I help Tim, I'm pleasing God. On Tim, I want to please God. I, I love him. I love him. But my point is, I want to do it. I'm not doing it to him. I'm doing it for God. God's my reward. Even if he gave me $100, it's not, that's not the reward. The reward is what God wants to do and how God wants to use us to bless one another, to bless people. Look for place, Look for ways that you can be a blessing, where you can love somebody. Extraordinary love. Extraordinary giving. So here's, the, here's another factor. If you don't want what God has assigned for you to do, somebody else is going to take it up. Because God wants some things done. He wants some things done. You know how many people I know that said, man, I had this song on my heart and I had it written, and, and they never, never wrote it, and they never put it on an album, and somebody else wrote it. And they go, I had the same message in a song. Or a business, somebody said, you know, I could, I could do this. I could start that business. And they wait and they hesitate. Well, I just don't know if I can do it. And boom, somebody starts that business. I mean, you know, God's in the business, even when the people aren't saved. Because certain businesses are a blessing to the community. Bow your heads. God wants to use you. And the first step that God wants to use you is you need to be a part of the kingdom of God. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, will you give your heart to Him? Will you accept Him as Lord and Savior? Come on, saints, pray just for a moment. If you're here and you said, well, you know, I gave my heart to God a long time ago, but I really haven't been living for him. You know, he's calling you to step in. We're better together. Come on, be a part of the kingdom. Take, take your steps. If Maybe, you, is that you? Will you lift your hand? I see that hand. Anybody else? Just wave and say, I want to accept Jesus. I want, to, I want Jesus to become real to me. If that's you, just lift your hand. Nobody, I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just say, I need to accept Jesus. The Lord's dealing with you. I see your hand. Glory, glory, glory. Let's all pray this together. This is how you get saved. You confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. So say, Father, I come in Jesus' name. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins and He washes them away today because I ask Him to. Save me, Lord. Bring me into Your family. Make me Your child. And I thank You for it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, 
and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.